Well, happy Thanksgiving week or happy uh, you get to spend some days with your in-laws week. <laughs> and uh, it's that time of year of, of Thanksgiving and uh, everything that comes along with it. I always find it's a little bit unique when we talk about Thanksgiving. And I'm going to talk about gratitude and Thanksgiving uh, a little bit today as well. Uh, but Thanksgiving is one of those demarcation days in, in the uh, point of our country that on Thursday, we're going to get together and we're going to get the family and uh, your crazy uncle's going to show up. And uh, how many got an uncle that, you know, he's going to be there and you saw, okay. Um, and if you don't know who that is, it might be you. Uh, but the, uh, and so you're going to, we're going to be, share what we are thankful for. And then come about four o'clock, we're going to go from uh, what I'm thankful for to I want more. Right, it's that moment where we're thankful for what we have, but man, we can't wait till Good Friday, or what is it, Black Friday? There's nothing good about that one. Uh, how many of you guys like to go Black Friday shopping? All the men who raise your hand, if I could see after service, we're going to pray for you. No, I'm kidding. It's fun I, if, if I didn't have to get in line for anything. Uh, but it's, this is the week that we begin to hopefully uh, begin to bring our hearts into alignment of, of Thanksgiving and um, all that comes with it in the holidays. And today, I want to uh, share a little bit about having an attitude of gratitude. The last couple of weeks in our series, Talking to God, really hit home with me. How many of you enjoyed the series, Talk to God? That we talked, and if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and watch. Pastor Stan talked about some of the biggest issues that we're facing, um, societal issues that, that are happening right now, and how uh, society, and even in the church, there's division. And as I began to listen to that message, what it began to, first of all, as I was processing, on one hand, if, if I was not a believer in Jesus, I can understand why we're fighting and, and we're positioning issues that are so maybe dear to us, but even if we wouldn't be in alignment with Scripture, but, but they're fighting because if I don't know Jesus, it's really my only hope. What is more perplexing, though, is for those of us who do know Jesus, who have allowed external factors to steal, kill, and destroy the hope and the love that Jesus has poured into us. It's not that we don't engage in the conversation. It should be that we engage greatly in a whole new way. But when we begin to lose the gratitude and thanksgiving and praise and understanding who God is and what God has done for you, it changes the way that I live and the purpose in which I live for. And so today I just want to begin to ask ourselves this one question. Has my attitude and my gratitude drifted? from when I first met Jesus. I remember the day I gave my life to Jesus. How can you remember the day you said yes to Jesus? Anybody, look, raise your hand. Hold them up, keep them up real quick with me. How many of you would say that day changed everything for me? Right, that day changed everything. And when I say it, it changed everything for me. When I think about uh, who I was and uh, the sin and all of I was in my life and I never knew Jesus and someone not pied it for, but someone did invite me and I came and I heard about Jesus for the first time and to think there was a God who loved me, not as I should be, but as I was, that, that, that he died for me and he put purpose in my life. It was so life-changing eternally that if that person had not said, hey, would you like to come with me? I would not be here today and my life would not be. But when I met Jesus, I didn't just go, I'll say yes to him. I said, Lord, I'm giving you my life. It was so life-altering for me. I never want to forget that day because that day is what makes me so excited of sharing my faith, inviting people, hearing the stories of people coming to faith. 
And what, I, what my prayer for all of us is that we never grow weary in thanksgiving and praise for the things that God is doing. I mean, you ever notice that we could say, hey, three people gave their life to Jesus. We go, that's pretty good. All right. And then we wouldn't even think about it. We gave away over a million dollars last month. And some of us said, that's pretty cool. And I'm thinking, do you see what God is doing? Like, check this out. Two people gave their lives to Christ last service. See, that shit like... And think about that moment. Ohio State, think about this. They won yesterday and we're playing that team up north this weekend. How many of y'all are excited about that? Yeah. Right? And I gotta be honest, I'm a little, I have a little tension in my heart. And, and by the way, time out in the message, we need to pray for Pastor Josh. He's a team up north fan. So we're removing the title pastor from him because he doesn't know God, obviously, if he's a team up north fan. And so we're gonna ask Pastor Josh to not come back until next week. And hopefully we'll welcome him in loving arms, not tease him. Um, but anyway, back to what I was saying. There's that rabbit trail that I was trying to take you all down. When we lose the perspective of praise, it changes the way we live. See, Jesus commands us to do what? To give thanks in everything. See, having gratitude is not just about feeling something. It's about expressing something. It's about, it changes our purpose. How, how many of you all have kids? How many of you think they're just so full of gratitude? <laughs> now see, you don't think they are, and I've got them, I understand that thought. And I do think there's a little bit of gratitude and they'll express it at your funeral one day, <laughs> right? The gratitude. But have you ever noticed we can get so comfortable with even the people that are closest to us that we spend more time criticizing and, and taking for granted, assuming that we, we've lost the awe and the wonder of God. When I first gave my life to Jesus, man, I was so fired up. And my prayer is that I don't become so churchy that I miss the awe and the wonder of Jesus. And when we begin to understand what God has done for us, and when we begin to live a life of praise and gratitude, it changes our purpose and our perspective totally. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke. If you don't have your Bible, no big deal. It'll be on the screen. If you don't know anything about uh, Luke, Luke was one of the four writers about the story, the life of Jesus, the Gospels. Luke, how many know what Luke's job was? He was, uh, he was a physician. And he said, I thoroughly investigated all of these details. And so when we read his narrative, it gives us a little more nuance to the details. And the story I want to share with us today in Luke 17, it's just to give some background and perspective. Um, it's about this place, this space where Jesus is with the disciples and he's walking through this region between Samaria and Galilee. He was on a journey with them. And he comes by a little village and he is confronted with a disease we see a lot in the scriptures called leprosy. I, if, and if you don't understand the disease of leprosy, it's not a disease necessarily that will kill you. Over time, it probably will. But it was a very painful disease that would, your skin would flake, you would get tumors, even parts of your, uh, like your fingers would eventually begin to rot off. But that wasn't the bad part of the disease. See, if you got leprosy in biblical times, you were considered unclean. And if you were considered unclean, it meant that you were, you were forced to live outside of the city gates. You would not be allowed in the city anymore. And that's not even the, really the bad part. 
Because the bad part then says your family would, would shun you. They would have nothing to do with you. Your community would have nothing to do with you. That you were considered to be cursed by God. You, would, you weren't even welcome in the temple. And so you would lose not only uh, the pain of that, but you would lose everything. Your family, your, your faith. And you could be considered unclean until either you died or it was proven that you were cured, but you would be outside of the family. And so when you got leprosy, it wasn't the disease that sold your life. It was the shame and the pain that came with it. And if that wasn't bad enough, if you got leprosy, if anyone were to come within 150 feet of you, you'd have to scream, unclean, unclean. You would have to scream your biggest shame to the world on a daily basis. And if you didn't, not only would you have legal consequences, your family would. And then if you were to walk around anywhere, you would carry a bell, ringing it. Any one time someone would be near you. It was a disease that took everything from them. And so we picked this story up. Jesus is on this journey with his disciples. And he's walking through this little village, and in Luke 17, 11, it says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. See, the, the power of this moment is, these are ten guys that that's all they have. They, that, that, that's all they have. No one will talk to them. And, and so, man, they are now in a place, in a space of absolute destruction. And they, they come and meet Jesus. They stood at a distance. And they called in a loud voice. I mean, they understood. We can't even go up near Jesus. And they stood and they shouted. And they said, Jesus, Master. And here was their only request. Have pity on us. Have you ever been so low that only thing you would, e you would even love pity? Like we have nothing. We've lost everything. We have no hope. We have no family. We have no faith. Jesus, have pity on us. Ha have some mercy on us. They're in a place of desperation. And when Jesus saw them, do you realize, and I want you to get this nuance of this, this verse right here. No matter what is going on in your life, maybe some of you, you felt unseen, you felt undervalued, you, you feel like you're all alone. I think it's powerful that Luke writes that he saw them. For the first time in a long time, these men were seen and not fled from. Some of you, you don't feel like you're seen, you're heard, you're valued. What I want you to know is I don't care what you have going on in your life, Jesus sees you and he hears you and he loves you. Amen. And so it says that he, he saw them. And listen to what Jesus says, and this is powerful if you really understand the depth of it. He says, go show yourself to the priest. That's all he says. He says, I want you to go to the priest. Now, here's the, the problem. That could have been a day or two journey, probably to Jerusalem, to find a priest that the priest said they didn't want you. He's sending them back, and all they have is faith. Enough to say, we'll go. He says, I want you to go to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed or healed. They were healed. Here's what I want you to know. The, the beginning place, I think, of your praise is even at your lowest moment, just trust him and go when everything inside of you doesn't want to. Keep trusting 
And then in verse 15, this is the kind of where we're going to dive in today. One of them. Say one. One of them. How many were there? How many were healed? One of them. When, he, when, he, when Saul, he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them, when he saw he was healed, when he saw he was healed, he realized his life was never going to be the same. He found a life that he didn't know he was going to have. He was, he was going to find purpose. He was, he, his life was transformed in that moment. And I love this. And it says that he came back with a loud voice. Let me tell you something. If you have a real encounter with Jesus, you can't help but keep it in. Come on, it changes everything. It transforms you. Jesus just changed his life. And he came back and he was so excited. He, was, he came back new and renewed. And he had hope and he had purpose. And he was praising God. He was praising God, but why would he be praising God? He lost everything. He could have very easily came back and said, but God, my family was mean to me. Man, they hurt me. The people hurt me. The church hurt me. I mean, it's great that I'm healed, but man, you don't know, Jesus, what I've been through. And it's real. But his perspective changed when he had an encounter with Jesus. Verse 16. I love this. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. And then you see the little dash. And he was a Samaritan. Let me give you some context of why that's so powerful. Not only were Samaritans, having leprosy, was he rejected and despised. Now he's a Samaritan, which means he would have no relation with a Jewish rabbi because they had nothing to do with one another. The rabbi would have rejected him. And the, remember last week, Pastor Stan talked about the Samaritan woman, the, the water, he got a drink at the well. And she's like, why would you even ask me for a drink? You won't even touch the cup that I touch. And now he comes back and he throws himself at his feet. He was oppressed. He had been, I mean, he had lost everything. And now he has this moment and he goes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And this is what Jesus does that I think is so powerful. Jesus asked, and by the way, this is rhetorical questions. We're not all 10 cleansed. We're not all 10 cleansed. Like here's this man and, and Jesus is, is saying, I love you, son. You're my son. I welcome you. I don't care what your past was, what your disease was, what your hurt was. I love you. But, but wasn't there 10? Wasn't there 10? And not only was there 10 of them, he said, um, where, he goes, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Where did they go? Here's the dynamic. He said, go back to the priest. And he did that because he already knew they were healed. And Jesus wasn't just healing them and restoring them. He was, he was re-entering them to a life they never knew would be possible because the priest had to say, you are healed. 
And they knew these other nine, they were Jewish men who, who understood prayer, had understood the temple. And really what they were looking at is their religion and they were wanting something from God, but had lost the awe of God. And they got their healing and they never returned. They, we never know the story now, but I'll bet if you went back and you asked them, are you grateful? Well, sure, we're grateful. And then it was life as normal. How often can we do that with, with Jesus? Jesus, I'm so grateful for what you've done. And we go on and, and nothing about Jesus excites us anymore. We'll, we spend more of our life in, in, in critical uh, mindset so often, expecting something from God, but not realizing what God has already done. See, they went back to the rabbi to get God's blessing, to go back to what they were. The Samaritan realized he was standing with God and came to get a life he never knew was possible. He was so thankful. He was so thankful. See, when you live a life of praise, it changes what you focus on. Let me ask you like this. In this past week, have you spent more time pondering and thinking about what's wrong or rejoicing for what God has done. Let's go even deeper. Have you found that the ones that we're closest to are the ones that we spend the less time thinking even though we're thankful for them? Right, when, when, when's the last time you spent more time praising God for your children even though you, you don't like them all the time? I get it. Or your spouse. Do the people close to you hear more of the critical than the praise? And Jesus said, where did the others go? Where, where were they? And Jesus says, even more, here's the deal. And he goes, and he, or no one had returned to praise God except the foreigner. For the one who did not know was the one who came back. And the others just took it for granted. Because so often what they were focused on is what they didn't have, and they didn't see what was right in front of them. They didn't see the power that God was right there. And so often we let the, the circumstance of life rob us from what we don't have, and we don't focus on what we do have. And we have to refuse to, to let, or let the, the circumstances rob us of what we don't have. And we've got to pay attention to what God has done. We have to pay attention to what Jesus has given us. Man, I, when I gave my life to Jesus, Glenn, it was life-altering. And so when I think about what Jesus has done, it gives me purpose, it gives me focus, it gives me hope. See, I, when I remember what Jesus did in my life, when I remember what Jesus, how he transformed my life and what he forgave me of, how could I not forgive other people? See, I'm so thankful for what he has done. It changes what people do to me. When I'm so thankful for what he has given me, it makes it a lot easier to not get distracted on what I don't think I have or I don't, uh, or I want that I don't think I have. See, the perspective of the blessing of God. And this man's life was changed. 
He found hope. His life was restored. And man, he was so excited for the things of God. The other 10, just, the other nine just wanted what they wanted. And I wonder so often if we just let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. And we get robbed from what we don't have, focusing on what we don't have, and not praising God for what we do have. You guys know, so often I've shared my story uh, to exhaustion. I don't want to belabor so much of it. But I remember in 2019, hitting a place where I truly felt like I lost everything. My son, or my mom had got a disease and died. My son had been battling this, this rare disease for years. Man, it was like our ministry. I was like at a place where I had nothing. I felt like I had nothing. I remember sitting on the back porch going, I'm nothing, God. And I remember that, that, that like God began to nudge my heart a little bit. And this was the question I wrestled with. I felt like God saying to my heart, Shane, if I never did another thing for you, if I never answered another prayer, would I be enough for you? And you have to wrestle with that, because it's easy to go, yeah. And I thought and I reflected, and I'm like, God, you're everything to me. That transformation, the hope of eternity. You're the one who has left me. You haven't forsaken me. You give me an eternity that I didn't deserve. You called me your son when I did not deserve to be your son. And even in this moment, and, and when as I begin to praise him and say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me. I begin to then reflect on all that, that I had and all that God had given me. It, it brought me through the journey with my son. I was remembering uh, this past week, my wife and I, were going th I was going through his medical records uh, for something. And it, it was, when I say thousands and thousands of pages as medical records, but on the first page was his first visit. The doctor said he will never perform physical activities moving forward. And really what he said to us was, your son will never play sports again or never. And we don't know what that will even be. And I remember my son still had this faith and hope about him when he said, Dad, God's going to prove him wrong. I remember him to say that to me. And I was the dad and the pastor, so I couldn't say, well, I don't know, son. And I saw all they had gone through, surgeries, 20 surgeries, all these things. It cost us everything. It was there. And I, and I, and I kept my mind so often focused on what, what was or what I thought should be that I didn't see the blessing of my son in the moment. Here's the cool part. Years later, he was our starting varsity quarterback for his sophomore and junior year of football. Then going into this year's senior year, um, he was going to be the, he had some college offers. And, and so here's the deal. He, he the last uh, scrimmage game before the regular season, we're, he had colleges and he had a couple offers and a guy lands on his leg and tears his MCL, total reconstruction. And the doctor goes, you're not going to play again this year. And Elijah had that look, Dad, God's going to prove him wrong. And so with the whole scene, my wife's like, no, he's not going to prove him wrong because he is not playing. <laughs> I remember, and so it was just so hard to watch this. I was on the senior year, and I, was, and I remember the last week, he's like, hey, Dad, I practiced the last two practices. Son, you're not cleared by the doctor. He said, no. I know, but I just wanted to let you know I did that. Don't tell your mom. <laughs> They said, Dad, can I play in the last game? And I'm trying to hedge it. And I'm like, well, I'll let you dress, buddy, but don't tell your mom. And my wife said, he is not playing. Do you understand? Not playing. 
I know, babe, there's no way he's playing. And I said, well, to his coach, maybe like a play or two, if everything is safe, you know. And then I'm on the sideline the last game, and I'm doing the chain game, and they make me do that because I get too crazy, and the coach didn't want me around. So I'm over there, and my phone rings, and it's the coach. You got a job to do. I'm not calling my friends from the stage here. What are you doing? He said, hey, I need him. Can I put him in for one series? We can't, we can't throw the ball. I need him in. Can he play? I said, okay, just maybe a player too. And I did that because my wife was on the other side. And I got a couple texts. I didn't look at him. And the first series down, he went and threw a touchdown and scored. It was just so powerful. And it wasn't about the football. And it was in that moment, I was, I, man, it had nothing to do with football. It had nothing to do with, it had the perspective of going, God, I'm so thankful for all that you have done. And, and after the game, man, this was, this was the coolest moment for me. Pretty cool, right? And actually, for the first time, I think he said, thanks, Dad. And the moment was this. God, I've been so focused in thinking what I don't have. When this is everything in this moment. And think about it, that's how God is with us. We're broken and we're wounded and we're hurting. And he just wraps his arms around us. And if we're not careful, we'll be going, but God, what about, this? what about this? And what really matters? What really matters? You know, my favorite people to hang out with are people that just gave their life to Jesus. Man, they're so excited. They're not, they don't know any of the political, churchy, political issues. They ain't worried about who got the parking spot or the car. Man, they just had an encounter with Jesus. You know, some of you going to pie it forward and go, well, a pumpkin and apple, where's the blueberry? It ain't for you, you know. Even though some of you are going to hop that pie, I know. Sorry, Jesus loves you. Just saying, if you eat the pie, you may die. So, you know, I'm teasing. But man, they're so excited. Because here's the thing, and what I've learned in that moment in this, is that I have to let every blessing turn into praise. Listen to what Psalmist says. Let all that I am praise the Lord. This in this next verse. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives my sins and heals my disease. How amazing is that? He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. And you go, but I don't see the good things. Because you're trying to find the things that are not. Instead of seeing the things that are. And they are good things. They are good things. They are eternal things. And when I have that praise, I let my praise be my blessing. All of a sudden, gratitude and praise and worship, they're the gateway to my victory. I can live in victory. I've never seen someone living in victory, walking in complaint. We are not victims. We are victorious in the blood of Jesus. We have hope. We have life. He died for us. You know, but life is hard. Yes. Life is difficult. Yes. Your husband bugs you. Yes. Right? We have circumstances and situations that hit us. But if you can see your victory comes in the praise, it changes it, and it begins to give you purpose. I would say some of my favorite people to hang out with at CLC and my favorite ministry, I think, is on Monday nights at our Celebrate Recovery. It's so good. You can clap for Celebrate Recovery. It's unbelievable. No matter how many of y'all been to Celebrate Recovery, know about Celebrate Recovery. 
Come on, it's powerful. If you don't know anything about Celebrate Recovery, Celebrate Recovery meets every Monday night here. Um, we started, it's almost been a year, and it helps people process their hurts, their habits, and their hangups. It is not a drug recovery center. It is a life recovery center like this. How many of y'all have any hurts in your life? Okay. How many of y'all got some habits? Some of you lying. How many of you got some hangups about moving forward in the grace of God? Here's what I want you to know. This is the process of finding recovery and, and, and health. It meets every uh, Monday night, 630. I'd encourage you to come hang out because let me tell you something. There's people there that are finding victory and freedom. You know what they're not doing? Well, I, I just don't know about Twitter. <laughs> Did you know what they said? Did you hear about that political issue? Man, they're fired up, man. Do you want me to tell you what Jesus did in my life? He changed my life, saved my son, healed me, delivered me. Like this, it's like life change. I think the reason the other nine, some of them didn't go back because they were hanging around negative people. But man, there was some praise happening on Monday nights and we have a meal together. And after that, we have a worship. But here's the cool part. We now have begun, we have childcare, but at CLC, we don't believe in just doing childcare. We believe it's ministry. We got an amazing kids pastor and, and Ken McNeil, our CR director of my staff, he, he, we started something called Celebration Place. And it is a ministry uh, for kids. It's a recovery for kids that are sixth through ninth grade, six years old through ninth grade. Because if, how many know if you're going through something as a parent, it's affecting your family, your kids, right? I mean, think about it. It's, the, it's not just the pain of what you've gone through. It's they're hearing it, and it's, it's, it's the weight of that. And so we've had kids that now are going through Celebrate Flakes, finding victory and recovery and their, their issues and their hurts and their habits and their hangups in life. And at a young age, they're putting Jesus and finding hope in this moment. But here's the problem. We've only got enough volunteers to help us so many kids. We can't even take any more kids in it. So what I'm saying to you is, if you even kind of like kids and can pass the background check and you want to be encouraged, man, you could find some serious praise by coming and loving on some kids here that, that need hope. And I promise you, you'll probably be ministered to even far greater than you minister to them. So we can bring in more kids and love on more kids. Because what I'm telling you is the, the power, it will change your gratitude. I want you to watch this video. It's just a couple minutes of some of the kids sharing a story. But I want you to just hear a couple things in this. I want you to pay attention to this. I'm a grateful believer. Everything starts with grateful. When's the last time you thought like that? I'm grateful. And they talk about how the be, life begins to change and transform. I want you to watch this and see what God's doing. How cool is that? That's so cool. If you want to know more information, I think we got a slide that I'm going to show you. There's a, a, a QR code. You can scan it, and even if you get bored through my message, you can just do the rest of that and just take a look at that. We'll leave that up there. But if you would like to serve, know more about C, uh, CR, Celebration Place. Also, we have a table out there that, where people can just give you information. If you'd like to serve, if you want to know more about it, you have someone it could be a blessing to. Um, and we'd invite you uh, on that journey. You can p pick up some cool CR gear. Matter of fact, anybody want a CR hat? We'll wear it. We'll make you like uh, really cool. These are, these are limited edition. All right, there's my guy over there. I threw like J.J. McCarthy there from the team up north. Um, who else wants a hat? a hat? Oh, there she is in the back. Oh, look at that. Don't you steal that hat. That's for her. Come on, man. Ungrateful. No, I'm kidding. I'll get you a hat. Stop by and, and see that. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. I want to be very clear. Listen to me. Everybody zoom in. I'm not minimizing your hurts and your pains and your struggles and disappointments and frustrations. 
They're real. They are real. They, the people that hurt you, the situations that how they turned out, the circumstance, they're real. And there's a weight with that. But what happens is when we go through those seasons, the enemy will begin to rob your praise. And when he robs your praise, the only hope we have then is to focus and fight, hoping that if a circumstance changes, my joy comes back. And we miss sight of what we have. Our marriages, guess, it's so easy, right? To spend more time criticizing than to praising, to expressing gratitude. Come on, let's just be honest. Some of us, in, even in this room, you, you're mad at somebody else in this room because they didn't agree with you or something. They hurt your feelings. And we harbor that. But if we had the gratitude and the thankfulness of what Jesus has done, go, man, I, I don't want this tension. I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done. Maybe you're having some real struggles and finances and struggles with your family. I don't know your struggle, but Jesus sees you. And he hears you. But it's so easy to allow the blessings of God to become an entitlement to our soul because we are Christ followers. That we don't see the true blessing of what Jesus has done in your life. So here's some encouragement I want you to do. Matter of fact, I, and I didn't even share this with my family, but this week I was thinking about it and so I wrote a email to someone who had a big impact in my life and I, was in front of, I just sent him a, a, an email saying, I just want to thank you for the impact you had on my life. And it, it meant everything because gratitude, unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude. Expressed gratitude is a gateway. It helps us with our purpose. You know why I'm so I mean, I love seeing people come to know Jesus because I remember what it meant and changed in my life. Why it's easy to have empathy on those that are hurting because, man, when I hurt, I could see God in the moment. And now my pain did not steal my praise, which ultimately can give me purpose. And we're growing in it. So here's my encouragement. I want you to maybe write to someone. And just say, I want to thank you for the impact you had on my life. I want to encourage you every day with those closest to you to verbally at least once a day, even if all hell is breaking loose at your home. Guys, what'd you do this time? I want you to say, I'm so grateful for you and so thankful. Because two things I know, when I stand at the end of my life, I'm not going to go, you know, I'm so glad I complained about all that stuff. I wish I would have told them. I wish they would have known. It changes my perspective. And the more you praise, the more victory you'll begin to feel. So I want to encourage you to do that. Secondly, if you're here today, maybe you don't know Jesus. Or maybe you did and you got hurt by some people in the church or by God and you felt like, man, I just want to 
invite you to follow with me. Not to a church, not to a person, but to Jesus, because he hears you and he loves you. And he was so crazy about you that he said, even on your worst day, I'll lay down my life to pay for your sins. And what I can tell you is you will have some things to be thankful for without Jesus, but it will always be temporal. Because what is at the center of my praise is that I have eternal life with an eternal God. And he loves to call me his son and I love to call him my father. And what I want you to know is when everybody else walked past you, shunned you, hurt you, Jesus stopped and he hears you and he invites you to go on a journey with him. And then last but not least for all of us, have you lost your awe of God? Have you lost the sense of joy of Jesus? Has it been stripped with frustration or doubt or anger or bitterness? Have the stories of God stopped exciting you? I want to invite you to open your heart this morning to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my heart and I'm going to become the person that lives with an attitude that is nothing but gratitude. Gratitude for others. Gratitude for my God. Gratitude for my family. Gratitude that even in the hard times, Jesus is faithful. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude will open the gateway to the victories of your life. But what I want you to know is that you, God will let you leave here and not return and you will have some blessings, but you will not have the joy and the victory that God designed for you to have. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Thanksgiving to be a day on the calendar. I want it to be at the center of my life because of what Jesus has done for me. With every eye closed and every eye bowed, those of you online, if you'd join us as well. I want to pray for all of us today. And while we're all just kind of focusing right now for most of us, I just want to encourage you just take a second before we pray and I'd like you just to, in your mind, three people or things you're grateful for today. I mean, truly grateful for. And while you're doing that, I wonder for the rest of us, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you have walked away from faith. Maybe you have been frustrated. And I just want you to know that today Jesus is inviting you to follow him. How do you do that? You say yes to Jesus. There's no way that God could fix this or heal this or, or bring me in. The problem with that, I'm living proof that's not true. Because when I did not deserve him, he gave it all to me and changed my life. And if he can do it in me, he will do it in you. That Jesus is faithful. All you have to do is just say yes. And here today, you as pastor, when you pray, would you include me in that prayer? If that's you, no one's looking. Would you just lift your hand so I know who to pray with today? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to come back to you. Yes, sir. Over here. I don't want to say, well, no one's looking. You, just me and you. 
Yes, ma'am, right there, right here in the center. I don't want to miss anybody at all. Come on, over here. Yes, sir, back there, I see you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anyone right here. To my left over here, anybody just say yes. I'm going to come one more time. Yes, ma'am. So good. One more. Anybody else say yes? Yes, ma'am. So good. Yes. Do you know what's so cool is for you five or six that just raised your hand, do you know what happens? The Bible says that all of heaven is, they're celebrating, they're rejoicing. There is literally, there is literally praise. The heaven is so excited because you said yes to Jesus. That God doesn't just ask for praise. He loves you and he celebrates you. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to pray together. All of you that raised your hand, those of you online, and all of us around this room today, we're going to pray this in unity. We're going to say yes to Jesus. And here's my prayer for you. For those of you that raised your hand, do not forget this moment. Because if God can take a jacked up guy like me and give me life, this moment can change everything. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, no, let's all say, come on, man. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'll say it louder. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. For Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. And I need you. I surrender my life to you today. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for calling me your child. And I thank you for giving me eternal life. Yesterday is gone. It will no longer steal my praise. Come on, say this boldly. Today is a new day. It's a, it's a new season. I proclaim victory in my life. Come on, I proclaim victory in my life because Jesus gave me the victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave just yet. I want us to put our hands together for you, not in the churchy way. I want like greater than when we beat that team up north this weekend, like all of heaven. I want us to praise Jesus for 30 seconds like he is worthy today. Come on, let's do that today. Jesus, we love you. Come on, tell him what you're thankful for. Tell him you're thankful. Tell him what he's done for you. Come on, tell him. Now let's stand together. Let's stand together. High five somebody and say, man, God's so good. God's so good. Come on, high five somebody. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. And then let's worship together. I love you guys. Come on.
Goodness of God. 
guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next weekend.